Recently I was reading the Catechism of Pius the Tenth, excellent catechism from about 100 years ago, and uh, really encourage everybody to read catechisms. It's so important to read catechisms. Catechisms are uh, they're an encapsulation of the faith. They take the entire meaning of the Bible and they just distill it into these really easily understood bite-sized chunks of revealed truth. And the catechetical tradition in our, our, our faith is, is absolutely immense. There's so many good catechisms. You could open up catechism from 500 years ago and just learn a ton. Um, catechism of the Council of Trent is an amazing catechism. We have the Catechism published in the 90s under John Paul II, referred to as the Catholic Catechism, or the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, amazing, you know, we have it on the, on the shelves back there. The Baltimore Catechism, really good catechism, really good catechism. Catechisms are, are very important. So in any event, um, one of the sections of the traditional layout of a catechism is basically an explication of the Lord's Prayer. Okay, and that's what we're looking at today in our gospel. And in the Catechism of Pius X, they had some good understandings. I mean, I've been studying theology for uh, 25 years. Yeah, 25 years now. <laughs> Pretty intensely, every day. And every catechism I open up, I learn something new. And the Baltimore, Cat- I'm sorry, the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, you know, <laughs> I continue to learn more about it. So some, some helpful things that I kind of, Connections I've made by reading this catechism recently. Thy kingdom come. What's the kingdom of God? The catechism of Pius X says there's a threefold kingdom of God. First of all, there's the kingdom of God that's in our hearts through grace. Okay? And that's like this kind of fundamental kingdom of God. Alright? That's right in our hearts through grace. And that grace that's in us is destined to flower forth and to sprout, as it were, in glory. So grace is the seed of glory. Glory is our ultimate destiny. Uh, and uh, so then there's the other kingdom of God. That is the kingdom of God in heaven. So that's what we're destined for. So here's the kingdom of God on earth in our hearts through grace. Then there's the kingdom of God in heaven in glory. And so these two are related to each other in a very deep and intrinsic fashion. Okay, One is the seed, one is the flower. But in between those, there is a third kingdom of God, and that is the kingdom of God in the church. So the church is the unfolding and the sort of road through which this seed of grace grows and develops and becomes that flower of glory in heaven. And the church is basically God's activity on the earth right now as it unfolds, as it unfolds throughout time until Christ come again. And his kingdom on earth is consummated in the kingdom of heaven in, in heaven. So that threefold kingdom, very, very important. Here was something real new to me. I, I just never made this connection. Um, I could, I think my previous interpretation was a little bit off, just a little bit incorrect. But it says, uh, Jesus says, teaches us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think before I was thinking, and I don't know if this is necessarily untrue, it's probably true, is you have God's will in heaven. Okay. And so God's will is now needs to unfold on earth. Okay. I think that's probably, generally, that's, that's, that's a decent interpretation. 
but the Catechism of Pius X gave me an insight that I hadn't connected before. Probably what our Lord is saying here is, may your, may your will be done on earth as your will is done in heaven. And so it's actually an implicit reference to the angels and to the saints who do God's will in heaven. And that was a connection I hadn't made before, and I think it's probably what the Lord is actually saying here. And so we've got angels and saints, and they become our paradigm of how we actually need to carry out God's will here on earth. The angels from time immemorial, from ancient, 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 ancient times, eons from the beginning of creation, the angels who abided in God's will continue to carry out his will by praising God, by by loving him. And then after the creation of human beings, a certain number or a certain percentage of those angels then serve God's will in heaven by helping us out here on earth. And then in the Old Testament, we see something unfold that's very interesting. Is Normally, if a man dies, they're portrayed in the Old Testament as kind of this shadowy figure that's sort of moping around underneath the earth. All right, they're not in heaven, right? But then as the history of salvation unfolds throughout the course of the Bible, we start to see there's a hope for something more. And there's intimations here and there that human beings are actually destined to take the place of the fallen angels, to ascend into the heavens and to be like the angels. Now, we don't turn into angels. <laughs> it's a, that's a point I have to repeat constantly to people in catechism class. We don't turn into angels, okay? But nonetheless, we are called to enter the ranks of the angels and to be peers and friends and equals, so to speak, of the angels, okay? St. Thomas Aquinas explicates, he talks about the nine choirs of angels. that all They all have different functions and they all have different roles. And uh, that human beings are destined to a particular choir on the basis of the particular virtues and degrees of grace and charity to which they attain to on this on this earth. It's a very beautiful image. Think about that. And so in the Old Testament, little by little, we start to see, well, you know, these people are kind of, human beings are called to this greatness. And we see this with Elijah and Elisha from our first reading here, talking about Elijah. He gets caught up to heaven in a whirlwind. So there's these little indications in, in the Old Testament that human beings are destined for heaven, not to be moping around underneath the earth, okay? And then Christ comes. And what does he do? He, he, he dies, but then he goes, it's called the harrowing of hell. He goes into the underworld, and he, as it were, sort of liberates all of the Old Testament saints who were wandering around in the place of, of Hades, or the dead. And he brings them up into heaven. He opens up the gates of heaven, so that now men can ascend to this place where the angels are, are and always do God's will. So this is very, very beautiful. Let your will be done on earth in our lives as your will is done in the heavens by the angels and by the saints who praise you continually, love you always, and and do your will. So may us here on earth as that kingdom of God unfolds little by little and and will eventually culminate in the kingdom of heaven. May we uh, do God's will on earth like the saints and the angels do it in heaven.